Welcome to Ruling Sports, a podcast giving you a playbook for life. I'm your host, Alicia Jessup. Join me as I interview athletes, leaders, and innovators to uncover their game plans for success and give you insights to rule your life. Let the play clock begin. Quick, what's the biggest mistake people make when it comes to saving for retirement? How about this? What is the biggest regret of those who have already retired when it comes to their finances? We're going to tackle both of these questions and more today with Misi Sims, a former NCAA basketball player who competed at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and Washington College. For nearly two decades, Misi has worked in finance for TIAA, where he is presently a portfolio manager. In this role, he helps investors ensure that their financial strategies are correctly balanced to achieve their goals. Today, Misi tells us about how playing college basketball prepared him for life after the game. He gives athletes advice on how to find mentors outside of athletics departments and highlights the benefit of building relationships and staying in touch with a wide range of individuals across campus. Most of all, though, Misi joins us to discuss the major crisis Americans may face in retirement, that being outliving their savings. He shares with us the root causes of this problem and provides notable solutions for listeners on how they can better safeguard their retirement savings. This is an important listen to gain a better sense of how to financially prepare for retirement and navigate around its potential pitfalls. Like in sports, a game plan is a critical piece to attaining your goals, and Misi provides critical building blocks to develop a retirement game plan. So now, join me in welcoming Misi Sims to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Misi, welcome to the Ruling Sports Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about your journey through college basketball and what you're doing today to help people prepare for retirement. I'm so excited, Alicia. As you can imagine, the topics that we're going to be talking about are near and dear to our collective heart here at TIAA, saving for retirement, how to save, when to save, how much. Those things are what this company was created for, and I'm just excited today. I hope it comes across. I think it's going to. So we start the same way every time on this show. So we're going to ask you what goal, quote, or mindset has guided your life. Well, I have four children, Alicia, and one thing that I tell them, three girls and a boy, is to put your best foot forward and try. Don't be afraid to do hard things. Don't be afraid to do hard things. I think that's good advice. How old are your kids? 17. That's my oldest daughter. Uh, My middle child, uh, she's 15. And my third daughter, she's the twin. uh, So twins are 12. So 17, 15, and 12. Wow. We might come back on another episode and discuss saving for college because it sounds like that's something that's very close to your future. 
Oh, my goodness. We're in the midst of that right now, actually. So, yes, that will have to be another podcast. I would love to do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to jump ahead. Today's conversation yes. is about retirement, but let's go into your athletics career. Everyone who is on this podcast has some tie to sports, and right. you yourself were an NCAA athlete. You competed in basketball at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and also Washington College. What life lessons did you take away from playing college basketball? Oh my goodness. That was, that was years and years ago. I feel like a dinosaur now, but what I took from that was just how much sport, regardless of which specific sport you play can open so many doors. I, I was raised in a, a single parent household. And as you can imagine, we didn't have a lot of resources, but I love to play basketball and that opened up so many doors as far as recruiting and offers for scholarships and uh, allowed me to go to private schools. And one thing led to another. You get an undergraduate degree that leads to a graduate degree. It leads to a, a great career. So the doors that uh, intercollegiate sports can can open for you should not be minimized by any means. Was there someone helping you navigate how to open those doors? I'm a professor and we we talk so often about the doors that sport can open. But sometimes when we are the college athlete, we need some guidance and mentorship to show us how to navigate that space. Was someone helping you with that? Sure. So I had great coaches, awesome coaches who cared about me more as a person than just as an athlete. Character development, education, uh, the type of person that I was outside of my my respective sport were of, of greater consideration to them than uh, a lot of, unfortunately, coaches who just see the athlete as just uh, a commodity. I wasn't a commodity to my coaches. They genuinely cared about my well-being. So they helped me navigate through those processes of academics, scholarships, offers, doing well in school, doing well outside of the outside of my respective sport and in the classroom. So I would attribute a lot of my success to them for sure. In addition to my mom. That's great that you had a wonderful mother and also these coaches who were leaders. As you mentioned, though, not every college athlete is so lucky to have coaches who help them open those doors. Right. What advice would you give to those college athletes who aren't finding mentorship for how to navigate life after the game? What are some things they can do or what advice do you have for them? Oh, that's a tough question. So definitely rely on the people that care about you the most. They care about you the most. And it might not be a coach. It may be a teacher. It may be a teacher. I had teachers as well who took me to basketball games and instilled in me a, a sense of responsibility as a student, not just as an athlete. So I'm sure there's there's someone out there who cares about that, who cares about those athletes beyond just the athleticism that they display and really lean into those relationships. That would be my advice. As a professor, I think one thing that frankly, every student needs to understand is now listen, there's some professors who are jerks, but most of us come into this profession because we want to work with young people and we want to help them navigate life. Sometimes, though, professors aren't the most outgoing people and they might not be the ones bridging a relationship with you that extends beyond the presentation of class material. So if you're a college athlete listening to this and you're not getting help from your coaches, 
and you have questions about how to prepare for life, stay after class. Ask a professor. Like, Don't expect people to come running to your aid with help. It's okay for you to ask. And I, I think Misi is exactly right. Some of the best resources you can have are professors because these are people who are experts in their field and they can help you navigate that space. You're absolutely right. You mentioned professors. And so when I came to TIAA, and our mission and why we were created in the first place was to help teachers, professors at all levels. The culture here was easy to embrace, right? It was easy to embrace because our mission resonates with me so much because of the people that impacted me the most in my life. Do you know this, Alicia? I can still pick up the phone and call my sixth grade teacher. I can still do that. I can still pick up the phone and call my professors at Washington College. I can still have a conversation with them about life, the world of investing. Um, I can still pick up the phone and call my financial aid counselor hmm. at Washington College. So the work that I do in helping those who serve others prepare for retirement, it's really, really easy. And it gets my, my juices flowing so much. That's awesome. I, I think there's some really good advice there. Keep in touch with people, everyone. You you never know. Like, you know, people are one of the greatest benefits we have in this life where we're put on this planet to help each other. As you mentioned, you work at TIAA. You are a portfolio manager there. What what does that mean? What is a portfolio manager? So you're a professor at Pepperdine. Imagine 30 years from now, after you've gone through the process of getting up going to work, saving for retirement, you come to the conclusion that you need special help, extra help in managing your money. That's where I come into play. Working with clients, individuals, families, craft investment policy processes, security selection. So of the thousands of investment choices that are out there, which one should show up in your retirement plan, right? That's a tough decision. What type of allocation should you use? How much of the stock market should you have within your, the portfolio? How much of the bond market should you have within the portfolio? And another big one here, this is important. How do you assess the health of the portfolio over time? How do you, what are you comparing your comp uh, portfolio to, to make sure that you're staying on track? And one of the things that, that I think we should talk about, in addition to how much to save, when to start saving, are the people that we're trying to get this message out to. And this is an important message. People, especially women, are in danger of not having enough in retirement. Some studies were done, and we recently did one, where we found that a third of the American workers out there say that they're not con or confident, only a third say that they're confident that they're going to have enough money in retirement and will be able to uh, live the lifestyle that they want in retirement. And get this, without running out of money. That's important. Think about that. They will have more life than money at the end of their journey. There was some other research done, Boston College. They say the biggest financial risk out there is that people will outlive their money. And that's referred to as longevity risk in our industry. That's a biggie. Remember I said, we, you're doing everything that you that we say you should do. You go to work, you live within your means, you utilize your employer-sponsored plan. And at the end of that process, all you want to do is live in peace and without mm -hmm. regret, right? But we're finding a lot of people are living with regret because they're not preparing well enough. That's a biggie. And it's more pronounced for women. Mm 
-hmm. more pronounced for women because of the pay gap. Remember, you did the podcast with Jill Ellis. That was a great podcast. I listened to it myself. And you talked about the wage gap there, right? So if you make less, you save less, and therefore you have less in retirement. This is exactly the impetus for why we started the Retire Inequality Campaign is because we want to stamp that out. We want to remove those those inequalities. And remember, I have a wife, a son, but I also have three daughters. So this is personal. And you also have a mother. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So there, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of ways we can take this. How do we stamp it out? That, that's a big question, but how do we stamp it out? Well, our best effort here at TIAA is to, like I said, the Retire Inequality Campaign, partnering with the likes of the Jill Ellis's of the world, the Dawn Staley's of the world. And her name comes to mind because I remember watching her as a middle schooler when she was at UVA. Now she's a Hall of Famer coach, winning championships and all of that. And Mia Han, North Carolina. I get all of that. And we're partnering with these heavyweights in their respective fields to get this message out so that it can be talked about. If you don't talk about it, it won't be resolved. So that's our effort here at TIAA. Do you want exclusive insights from your favorite athletes, sport industry leaders, and innovators delivered straight to your inbox? Subscribe today to the Ruling Sports Newsletter. The Ruling Sports Newsletter cuts the mystery out of success by bringing you leadership tools, entrepreneurial strategies, business insights, and wellness tips straight from some of the world's most positively impactful people. So go to rulingsports.com today and subscribe for free. I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You said something to the effect of people can be saving money. They can be living within their means, yet they could wake up into retirement and run out of money. How is this happening when people are doing supposedly what they're supposed to be doing? How is this problem arising? Well, I think one big reason is because they don't start soon enough. We're always encouraging clients to not delay because time really is your best friend when it comes to investing. For example, starting sooner rather than later can can have a significant impact on the final dollar amount that you have. So for example, if I may give you an example, let's say you have two women, two women, they're 65 years old, but they started saving at different times. Woman number one started saving when she was 25 years old. She put $100 into her retirement account every month. So 25 bucks a week into the retirement account. Woman number two started 10 years later. So instead of starting at 25, she started at 35, but she saved double. So 200 bucks a month into her retirement account. Let's say they both utilize, for example, a basic S&P 500 index fund. At the end of their journey, so at 65 years old, woman number one has $400,000 saved, approximately. Woman number two has $300,000 saved, approximately. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. When I was young and my mom would get excited about something, she would say, good googa mooga. I think that's a good Google Moga moment because timing is important. Another thing that I think is important here is that 
We don't want retirees to live with regret. We don't want them to look back and say, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. But we're finding, based off of some recent research, which was done at uh, UPenn, the Wharton School of Business and the Hebrew University, they published a piece that talks about some of the top regrets that retirees have. You know what one of them was? Tell us. Not, not weaving in lifetime income as part of their retirement planning process. Lifetime income. So fixed annuities, variable annuities, sort of like a, a pension income stream in your retirement years. Because Social Security wasn't necessarily designed to be the primary retirement income source, defined benefit plans or pension plans are increasingly becoming more rare and more rare as time goes on. So having investment vehicles that are designed to provide lifetime income can be a way that you mitigate that longevity risk that we talked about earlier. Does that make sense to you? It, it does. So okay. you mentioned annuities and lifetime annuities, and I'm going to give my take on what that means, and then we can go into it further. So if we get in our time machines and we go back roughly 20, 30 years, if you were an employee in America and you had a job with great benefits, something that your employer may have offered you was what was called an annuity, where if you worked at the employer for a long enough period of time and assembled enough credits, when you retired for the rest of your life until you died, and perhaps even until your partner died, the company would pay you through that annuity a specified payment each month. So if you had this annuity plan, like you had a pretty good understanding that you were going to have money coming in every month through retirement. In recent years, companies have begun increasingly moving away from annuities into a 401k model if they even provide that. There's a growing number of employers who do not provide their employees any sort of retirement benefit. With a 401k model, your company may make a contribution, but you also are expected to make a contribution. And what you have paid out once you hit retirement comes from the dollars that were generated from that account. So it's not a guaranteed valuation, which goes back to something Misi said at the beginning of this show, you need to know how your investment dollars are allocated. The stock market rises and falls. The bond market rises and falls. And how much money you're going to have once it's time for you to retire is going to be dictated by the various markets you're invested in. So fast forward to today where, again, what employers are offering employees in terms of benefits in some cases is nothing. That There's no retirement benefit. There's an argument that there's risks to the future of Social Security. So Americans are left in this retirement income vacuum. So now we're going to go back. You mentioned that one regret was that retirees did not have an annuity. If my employer doesn't offer an annuity, how can I get into that marketplace? Well, there are different ways you can do that. But I would say as an employee, I would talk to my employer and fuss, <laughs> say something, <laughs> raise a stink about it and let them know how much because employers will offer so many other benefits, right? So many other benefits to entice and retain employees. We think benefits around financial well-being should be high on that list. 
retain and keep employees and bring qual uh, high quality talent to your organization. But if you don't have these items through your employer as an employee or as a portfolio manager, certified financial planner, I would encourage you to connect with some type of financial consultant somewhere. And I would list three qualifications for the person that you speak to. They should, one, care. Care about your well-being and be interested in how well you are all financially beyond what they can sell you. The second thing that I would make sure of is that they're competent, that they know exactly what they're talking about. Because as you mentioned, the world of money management and financial planning and investment management, it can get confusing. Mm -hmm. It can get very confusing. So uh, care, competency, and also be credentialed. Make sure that they've gotten a certain level of education so that you can clearly see they're qualified to talk about the things that they're talking to you about. So those are the three boxes that I would check. But I would say as an employer, really work with your employees to make sure financial well-being is a part of your offering to bring on high quality talent. Right. And as an employee, I would say really talk to your employer, ask them questions about how the plan works. What types of options do you have? And, you know, if there's an old saying, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the attention, right? That would be my encouragement. I think it's great encouragement. And I think it's encouragement that really carries through most of this conversation. So one thing we've learned is women are at a greater risk for this. And a cause for that is women on average are paid 70 to 80% of what a man earns. And it's simple for me to tell listeners who are women well, you just need to negotiate better deals. Like you need to negotiate up your salary. That That's not the case. The case is we need systemic change. And leaders, decision makers within the upper echelons of corporate America or who employ employees, they need to listen to this and they need to ask themselves, how do I feel about this? Right. How, how do I feel about the single woman or the widow who comes to work for me every single day and works tirelessly. And the reality that when this woman is pushed out of the workforce, she may not be able to feed herself or put a roof over her head. Is that a society that we're okay with living right, in? Right. And if I'm a decision maker, what can I do to foster wage equality within my place of employment. I, I think it's great advice to encourage employees to ask questions like, why is this the way it is? Could right. it be better? Could it be better? And I think companies need to realize that they can be very profitable and also provide a public service. They can do both. You can do both. Helping people save for retirement, no matter race, ethnicity, or whatever differences we may have, is a public service. That is a good thing. That mm -hmm. stabilizes a society. That's a positive. And this is why I said in the very beginning, it's very easy to work at a company like TIAA because we do both. We work hard at doing both. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Ruling Sports on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way to growing the show. Thank you for your support. You talked about saving early and you gave a great quantitative example there. But let's go back to college Misi. Knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. if you could put yourself back on that basketball court with your teammates, what do you wish you all would have known about finance then? I wish I would have understood the market to a greater degree. Um, but I can remember when I got my first job, I had no idea what 
certain types of investments meant, how they worked, the inner workings of them. Um, I would have focused more of my attention on understanding how markets work. Because as you can imagine, with the volatility that we've seen over the last year, how the market has been so turbulent, uncertainty with rising interest rates, concerns about a recession, all these things that are impacting the market daily, I wish I would have understood what all that meant. And once you understand something, it doesn't intimidate you as much, right? So a better understanding will help investors in general not be as intimidated about what's happening. And it, it, it really allows you to, to take what's, what's happening in the market in stride because you have a sense of history, you have some perspective, and it doesn't get you off center as easily. I think that's so great. I teach a finance class and I have a lot of students who are really scared about the American economy. And I tell them, listen, it's okay to have concerns, but if you study the history of the American economy, this rocket's going back up. It's going to go down for a while, but we have a strong labor force. We have burgeoning entrepreneurs. The rocket will go back up. What can we direct individuals to, to learn about how the market works? I would say this, short term, the market doesn't really keep any promises. It doesn't care if you retired last week. It doesn't care if you retired six months ago. So in the short term, the market really doesn't keep that promise. But longer term, it does. Longer term, it keeps promises of long-term growth. I'll say this, if the market never recovered, why would we invest in the first place? And so my encouragement to anyone who's investing is to take a longer term approach, take a longer term approach and build a portfolio that's not built for six months or 12 months, but build a portfolio that can withstand what happens over the course of a much longer period of time. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you will be perfectly okay. What resources do you read to keep up with the market? Oh, man, there are books that I've read over the course of the last 20 years from the Burton Mall Kills of the world, the Charlie Ellis's of the world. Um, a lot of things that we produce here at, at TIA to keep me informed about what's happening in the market and uh, gives me a sense of uh, history and perspective as well. But I, I would say nowadays, do youngsters read books anymore? They grab everything off of the Internet. Uh, mostly the Internet, a lot of TikTok and podcast. <laughs> well, I'm sure they listen to your podcast, right? So they'll get a lot of information from from you and, and many others like like you who, who put great information out for for public use. So that's that will be my encouragement. Read as many books as you can read as many articles as you can, and ask a lot of questions. That's a great liberal arts education. That's what it got for me. There's no such thing as a dumb question. And that that's literally how I've educated myself. I'm a very curious person and I just ask a lot of questions. And it's shocking what you can learn when you do that. Well, Misi, this has been such an informative and really fun conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. How can listeners keep up with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. The lines of communication are certainly open. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing to help protect retirees. We greatly appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much again. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you gained wisdom that will help you rule your life. Let's stay connected on social media. 
We're at Ruling Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at rulingsports.com and email me your thoughts about the show at alicia at rulingsports.com. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the show and join us next time.